But this morning, uh, we have uh, Pastor Ramiro, as we know him, is Brother Chubbs, Pastor Chubbs. I've known him for many years. Uh, he was my wife's youth pastor uh, when she was a youth, and so, uh, I mean, we've known each other for a long time. I know he's a powerful man of God. I know his heart, and so he was a former uh, DYD. I mean, I mean, he's done a lot. He's done everything in the ministry, and so we're excited to have him here this morning, and we know that God is going to bless you. Just be open to what he has for you. Amen? God bless you. Say amen. amen. It's good to be in the house of the Lord on a Sunday. Amen. It's even better when it's, uh, you know, f- close to football season. Amen. 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 I pray for the Raiders. I pray for the Niners. Oh, oh, we got Haiti here. Oh, whoa, whoa, whoa. Oh, sorry, sister. Whoa, sorry. Okay. Okay. Sorry. Not to bring any division in the church. Sorry about that. Okay. All of a sudden, we say football. Now everybody gets all tensed up and stuff. I mean, whoa. Whew. I pray for Dallas as well. Okay. Uh, Oh, oh, okay. I'm not a, I'm not a Dallas fan. Uh, don't profile me. Okay. I'm just saying. Not a Raider fan either. Don't profile me either. Uh, I'm not a Raider fan. I'm not a Niner fan. I, I do like Pittsburgh though. Okay. See, you got nothing to say about Pittsburgh because they're not from here. Amen. 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 I mean, we have six, but whatever. It's all good. Don't worry about it. It's all good. Don't worry about it. Um, it's good to be in the house of the Lord. Pastor Jack, if you're watching this, God bless you, praying for your family. Thank you so much for the honor of being here. Uh, I, I'm honored, truly. Every time I step behind a pulpit, I am honored uh, to be here to preach the word of God for the simple fact that it is, uh, it is not my full-time job. It is my, uh, it is, I am a full-time Christian. I am a pastor at all times, but it's not my uh, position at this moment uh, to be a pastor behind the pulpit every single Sunday. I serve my pastor at my church. I don't have a title. I just, I just serve our, our pastor's at the church, I, I go to Real Life Church in Otomis. Uh, pastor Dean Dergora is my uh, my senior pastor. He sends your, he sends greetings as well. I, I let him know every time I am gone. Um, you know, when I said yes to Jesus when I was 17 years old, I never thought God was going to use me the way He did. I, I I thought I was so undeserving for God's grace, mercy, love, His blessings on my life because I'd done some horrible things in my life, and and because I did, I thought I had cheated myself out of God's blessing and love. Uh, but God has blessed me with not only ministry and not only uh, just his mercy and grace, but he's blessed me with a family. My wife and I celebrated. She's here. Honey, wave your hand. That's my babe right there. We celebrated 25 years uh, this year. My daughter, my middle daughter, or my, middle, my only daughter, my middle child is here. Michaela, wave your hand. That's my daughter. She's 22. And then uh, 10 years later, after my son, who's, who's going to be 24 this week. Oh, my God. He'll be 24 this week, uh, and then 10 years later, God blessed me. God blessed us with another son. Malachi, say hello. Uh, that's my son. He came 10 years, 10 years later. Um, yeah, yeah. He was the missing piece. We didn't know was missing. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know, you're just going on through life, and God says, "Hey, here's another one." Um, I mean, that's cool, and I love the fact that he was born when he was born. But like, God could have like you know, shorten it up a little bit because we got rid of everything. You know what I'm saying? We, we had no crib, no stroller, no uh, bassinet, no uh, gadgets that parents get all the time. You know, uh, diapers were weird now. I'm, I'm like, what? Uh, but he came to us and I, I'm constantly uh, apologizing to the older two because that little guy has never been, got spanked once in his life. Once. Just one time, and th- he would break things and be like, well, no big deal. The other two were like, oh, my God, you would have killed us. And I'm like, yeah, it is what it is. Sorry. 
Sorry. I always say they were my guinea pigs, and so, you know, whatever. Uh, <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm totally kidding. Uh, but they're here with me. Thank you so much. Uh, for the longest time, uh, when God uh, told me to uh, move on to, um, to be bivocational, if you will, and God launched me into um, the workforce, I guess you could say, I never thought he would put me in uh, where he put me. I thought I was going to be the oldest youth pastor in the country. That was my goal when I first started ministry. I never wanted to pastor. I always wanted to be a youth pastor. I was always called to be second chair. I never was called to be first chair at a church. Um, and, and when God says you're done with youth ministries, as far as being a youth pastor, I freaked out, uh, because my identity was in youth ministry. Uh, as pastor was saying that I, I am, I was a district youth director. I was a youth pastor for many years. I can't believe I was your youth pastor. Andres is here. I can't believe I was his youth pastor here. And he has kids. You guys have kids. I feel old. Okay. Um, but, but to, uh, when, when God, you know, moved me on uh, to be bivocational. I wasn't ready for it because my identity lied in that. Um, in fact, when I stopped being youth pastor, I struggled with, with identity for the longest time. And it wasn't until a great pastor friend of mine looked at me and says, you know, God care more, cares more about you than what you can do for him. And it was at that moment the light came on and I, I began to walk this journey. I've been walking with Jesus now for 32 years. Uh, God saved me out of the pit of hell. Amen. Yeah, let's cop for that. That's cool. That's, that's awesome. Um, Man, I'm, I'm talking, I'm talking God, God, you know, it's kind of funny that, you know, sometimes that, that God will deliver you from it, but it needs to be delivered from you. Does that make sense? I mean, you can still, you can give your life to Jesus and say yes to Jesus, but sometimes you have those old, uh, those old footholds in you and it takes you a few years to, to struggle. Can I tell you something? When God saved me, he cleansed me of drugs and alcohol right then. It wasn't, it wasn't a struggle. It wasn't something that I dealt with for years. It was just boom, done, gone. And so I compared my salvation, grace, healing, if you will, I compared mine to everyone else. So when someone struggled with drugs or alcohol or they backslid a little bit, I always got upset because they should be perfect, right? I was, was, I was always very argumentative and saying, man, they're not real Christians and blah, blah, blah. And I became real judgmental. And I, I had to be reminded that the grace that was fallen upon me, I should fall upon them, amen? Uh, and in fact, when people fall, we should, I mean, we should have a triage team, a rescue team that goes out and rescues them from the pit of hell to bring them back to church. Wasn't that amazing? Wasn't that amazing if we got we know somebody that's in the crack house and we get a bunch of guys together and we all show up at the crack house, at the trap house, knock down the door, get that guy and bring him out? I mean, I don't know about you. That'd be kind of cool. I mean, I'm just saying. Might be a little dangerous, but I'm just saying, right? Instead of carrying an AK, we carry our Bibles and throwing it at people and stuff. I mean, I'm just saying. Isn't that amazing? We could just show love to those that have fallen short of the glory of God and just say, I still love you regardless of your shortcomings. Can we just do that? When did we become so judgmental about people and, and talking about their shortcomings instead of lifting them up before the Lord and stuff? I'm sorry. I'm just kind of, I'm feeling myself this morning. I apologize. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. I mean, shouldn't the church be a triage anyway, a place that we may not have all the answers, but we could bring them to somewhere where someone could pray for them? I mean, right? I, when I was growing up, I didn't know how to pray for people, but I would bring them to somebody that did. You know what I'm saying? I mean, I'd be like, I don't know how to help you, but let me bring you to someone that knows how to pray. Hey, pray for him because he needs help. That was my job. I mean, I was probably, I was an evangelist before I was an evangelist. I didn't do nothing about the Bible. I just knew that God saved me. And I wanted God to save my friends. That's all I wanted. I mean, I remember I would bring girls and guys and guys doing guys and guys, girls, girls. And I'm just like, come on, just, we all need Jesus because you're all jacked up from the, from, the, from the top of your head to the soles of your feet. You need some Jesus. And, and, and I would just bring them. I, they're like, well, Chubbs, you're doing great things. Like, I don't know what I'm doing. I'm just bringing them to Jesus. That's all I'm doing. I'm, I mean, I'm not responsible to save them. Jesus is responsible to save them, right? 
I'm just talking. I apologize. I just get a little, get a little excited a little bit. Sorry. I'm just saying. I've seen a lot. I've seen a lot in 32 years. I, I, I've seen the good, the bad, and the ugly. And, and, and when I said yes to Jesus back then, and when I was 17 years old, I never thought he would put me into full-time ministry. I used to stutter really, really bad. In fact, you'll hear me stutter this morning a little bit. But God used me in that. I told him, God, I'm, I'm from the east side of San Jose. I'm from King and Story. I, I'm not even that smart. I mean, why are you going to use me? I'll never forget that my pastor one day looked at me and said, son, God will, equ- will equip the call, not always call the equip. You know what I'm saying? And so he, you say yes to Jesus, he's going to use you. And I'm like, okay, let's go. Never thought I'll be in front of the stages, in front of people, and I never, never in my life would have ever been blessed to do that, and God did that. And and in this journey that we call life, and this journey with God, we're never really done until we're done. And when I say we're done, I mean, we're talking, we we take our last breath, we close our eyes for the last time. That's when our journey is done. And I love what Paul says in in his writings that says, I may may not pretend to have obtained it, but one thing I know, I press on towards the goal. He was saying, I may not where I want to be, but at least I'm not where I used to be. And as long as I keep pressing forward, I'm going to be okay. Does that make sense? So as long as we're pressing forward, church, as long as 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 we, we stop focusing on the negative in our lives, I believe God can still use us no matter how old you are, no matter how many times you messed up, no matter how many shortcomings you have, how many imperfections you have, God can still use you if you just believe. You got to believe. I mean, isn't this about the faith thing anyway? It's about faith. And, and so when God said yes and God launched me out, I, I did what everybody was called to do. I went to Bible school. Amen. I said, you know what? We're going to get right with Jesus. Let's get really right with Jesus. And, and I went to Bible school, and I met my wife there, and she was praying one day, and I was praying one day, and I said, okay, God, we can do this. And, and, and God said, uh-huh, and then I said, uh-huh, and then she said, uh-huh. So I was like, woo, let's do this. Never forget, I told her, I said, honey, I can't promise you riches, but I can promise you adventure. Amen. <laughs> Amen. And it has been a roller coaster of a ride in our lives. In fact, in a couple of months, uh, do they know what happens in November? No? Oh, okay. Never mind. <laughs> Never mind. No, 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 sister. Don't argue with me, sister. Just say amen and wave it, okay? Amen. <laughs> but my wife and I will have an opportunity later on in the year to share our testimony and, and, and preach to you guys. But let me tell you something. It has been a roller coaster of a ride. We've had our ups and downs. We've had our ups and we've had our downs. But God has been faithful. You know what I'm saying? Can I tell you, have you ever been on a roller coaster? For those of you that hate roller coasters, but somehow someone coerced you to get on a roller coaster... Right? They tricked you. They're like, this is, not a, this is not a fast ride. And all of a sudden, they strap you in, and you're thinking, what is going on? Right? 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 You, you know, I always say this. Just breathe. Just breathe. No matter what's going on, just breathe. Just Because the moment you stop is the moment you pass out. Does that make sense? And, and I always say this. Just enjoy the ride. Hold on. Because at one point, you have to trust the guy, the little 16-year-old that says, please press down and push up. And he presses that little button. Right? We, eventually, we have to trust that we're going to make it. I mean, right? We may not have inspected the, the, the contraption. We have not inspected the track. We have not even certified that he knows how to be certified. But we know, okay, here we are, right? Have you ever found a play, Have you ever, ever found yourself in a moment that you thought, how did I get here? But regardless, here I am. Yeah, I've been there. Amen. I, I'm, I'm there right now with you. When I go to work every single day, I'm like, oh, man, I'm here. And I'm really here. Does that make sense? And, and so you strap in and you just trust God. I, every single day I pray. I, I do my devotion. I do a journaling time. I, I, I read the word. I hear the word sometimes. I mean, I'm, I'm, I, at the end, I'm like, okay, God, I'm strapping in. It's on you. 
and I just trust God. Does that make sense? I mean, have you ever had a moment or a time that you have to trust God with everything that you have, with everything that you are, that with your entire being? You literally have no control of the situation. And I'm Latino, and I love to have control of every situation. Does that make sense? I like to know before we even start, I want to be in control. That's why I always drive. I could be sleepy, and I could be like, oh, my God, but I want to drive. Not because I don't trust my wife, but I trust me more than I trust anybody else. No offense to my love. I love her to death. I know she'll be there for me, but I would rather be in control. Does that make sense? But being Latino, sometimes it gets you in the way. You get in the way. We get in the way with our attitude and our shortcomings because we think it should look a certain kind of way. We believe that. We believe that if it doesn't make, if, if what we see is not what we pictured, it's not the will of God. Why do we do that? Why, why do we tell God what the picture should look like when God is trying to paint a masterpiece in your life? Why are we telling God, God, don't put that color there. That don't look good. God, don't, don't, no, 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 that's not, that's not right, God. Who are we to tell God who's the author and creator of our life? Who we do we to tell God to dictate how our life should be? I mean, we can give suggestions. Just like when my kids give me suggestions of where you should eat, I'm going to eat where I want to eat. And either you eat with me or you don't, right? They can suggest things. Like, we can suggest things to God, right? But God's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Where you can see down the street, God sees around the corner. That makes sense? And God's saying, I'm, I'm doing this right now to prepare you for what's next. Can I tell you something? It is too late for you to prepare for today. Today is already here. God's preparing you not for today or tomorrow. He's preparing you for next week, next month, next year. God's preparing you for down the road. God's doing something in your life. you got to trust him. Either we trust him or we don't. Either we believe in his word or we don't. Either we believe that God wants the very best. He wants to prosper me. He wants to bless me. He wants me to live the best life that I could possibly Or we just don't. You know, in 32 years of, of walking with Jesus, I have fallen on my face time or two. I have broken up with Jesus many times. I have run away from home many times. But then the light, the street light came on. And I came running back to Jesus. You know what I'm saying? Or when also when I hit when I hit my when I fell flat on my face after bringing up with him, I'd be like, okay, God, I'm, we'll, we'll make it, we'll make it, okay. And God's always like, I'm right here, and you left me, I never left you. The Bible even says that, draw nigh unto me, and I will draw nigh unto you. You're the one that left. I didn't go nowhere. I just want the best for you. And what I hate the most, and when God is trying to teach us something for tomorrow, next year, next month, next, you know what I hate the most? When he puts us in this holding pattern because we're not lined up to the blessings or to the steps that he wants for us. Hate that. How many of y'all been on a flight and we're trying to get somewhere and we could tell when we're taking off? Can I tell you when we take off? I say a prayer, I close my eyes and fall asleep. Because if we're gonna go down, I'm gonna go down sleeping. You know, right? But then after a while, you hear one, we level out, right? And we're like, oh, okay, we're, cru we're cruising now. I can go to the bathroom, I can turn on my computer, I can do whatever I wanna do, right? And then we, all of a sudden we feel the descent, right? Don't we feel the descent? We're like, cool, we're getting close to our destination. Dope. Time for me to fall back to sleep again, right? So I put on my earpods or put on my whatever, and I'm like, mmm. Because sometimes not, when you, you know, there's bumps, there's bumps. If you really think about it, you're in a metal flying object. There is nothing holding it up other than aerodynamics and those engines. Right? Think about that. So when we hit a bump, we could die. I mean, if you think about that, right? I mean, think about it. I mean, it's thousands of pounds in the air hitting a bump. Are you kidding me right now? 
right? So on the way down, I fall asleep because doom, doom, doom. I'm just pretending I'm driving down the road. I'm just pretending that was a speed bump on the drive. You know what I'm saying? I'm just boom, boom, because I'm trusting the pilot's going to do his job, right? I'm trusting that he loves his life as much as I love my life. Does that make sense? So boom, boom, boom. And the worst feeling you could ever have in your whole entire life is when you're on your way down because you're getting close to your destination, right? It starts to rev back up and you start taking off again. And all of a sudden, we all know we're in the holding pattern. Hate that. Because in life, we like to know when we begin, we like to know the plan, and we like to know our destination. But... When it doesn't happen like we pictured it, we get all out of whack. And all of a sudden, we start denying or not trusting God's plan for our lives. In fact, we start saying things like, God don't love us. God let me down. God, where are you? God, you don't love me. God, you've let me down time and time. Could it be maybe that God is just testing you? That it's through the building of our faith? That God is making you stronger? Couldn't it be? Couldn't it be through the testing of our faith that God is doing some things? You know what I'm saying? I mean, I hate going to the gym. Amen. I mean, thank you. Thank you, bro. I got one amen. Okay, thank you. Thank you. And now some of you are pretty hugged. I get it. You guys work out a little bit. That's fine. I don't, even though I should because of the type of life that I live and the career that I have. But I hate going to the gym. Do you know why? It's not because I'm embarrassed. It's not because I feel shy. It's not because I'm intimidated by other people that are all roided out and stuff. No! hate it. I hate the fact of what I feel the next day. <laughs> hate it. Wake up, you're like, oh, ugh, right? Hate. It's, it's not the process. It's the pain that you feel afterwards. It's that that you're like, oh, my God, why did I do what I just did? Oh, why did I go through that? Oh, right? And after about a week, you go back and you're like, all of a sudden, oh, like, oh that wasn't so bad. But the next day, you feel it again. It's the process. We don't want to get there, but we don't want to go through the process of getting there. You know what I'm saying? We, we, we hate the process. We just want the finished product. And, and many times what happens is it's the process that hurts us. It's that process. It, it's a process where it goes wrong. That doesn't, kind of come, doesn't come out the way it should because we don't trust the process. We're not willing to put in the work. Why do we treat God like Santa Claus that when we need something, we let him know, and all of a sudden, he's supposed to expect to show up? Could it be that God is taking you through this process that you got to put in some work too? Could it be? Could it be that God's saying, hey, I have a plan for you, but you got to put in some work? That you, uh, you just can't sit there and say, God's going to, I believe God, I trust God. Yeah, cool, that's awesome, but put in some work. Yeah, we should trust God and believe God's going to meet the need and God's going to prepare you for the need, but God also wants you to, to do the work. Do the work. You got to do the work. You want your blessing, you got to do the work. It's not just like, bam, five bucks. No, go, go mow a lawn and then, bam, you'll get five bucks. You get what I'm saying? We have to do the work. God's going to provide the need, but, or God's going to provide the way, but you got to do, do the work. But, we, but we, have, we have trouble with that. We have trust issues. I get it. Society in the world, family, people around us, they give you your word, then they break it. I understand. I get it. I get that all the time. But, but we still have this process that we have to work. Can I tell you when Jesus, oh man, I, I'm preaching, by the way. Don't trip. I, the Bible verse will come up. Don't trip. I got you. I got you. I was like, oh, my God, he hasn't even read the word yet. No, no, don't trip. I got you. Don't worry about it. Don't, don't trip. You know when preachers, you have to read the word, and then the sermon starts, right? And you get a little nervous when they're like 15 minutes in. You're like, man, he hasn't opened up the Bible yet. Don't worry about it. I got you. Don't trip. Don't trip. 
I got you. Don't worry about it. You know when Jesus was on the scene, he picked 12 people to follow him, right? For disciples. We all know the disciples, the story. We'll do, we'll do, we'll. You know what I love? What I love. And it's, it's fit right in Mark chapter 6. I love this story. And you don't have to put it up. Don't worry about it. But it's when Jesus had fed the 5,000. And then he told his disciples, let's go to the other side. And he, and he sent them, right? And like Jesus stayed, ministered to the people. And then he went to go pray. While these guys got in the boat and went across. No one ever asked, how are you getting there? He just said, get in the boat, go on the other side. And the Bible says that Jesus went on. Not one of them, not a one. I'm sure they must have asked or wondered, right? I'm sure they must have talked to each other like, hey, how's Jesus getting over? Right? But then they were like, okay, well, Jesus said it. Let's go. And, and he went and he ministered. And the Bible says he went up, up outside of a hill and he looked to where the disciples were. And this was about a couple of hours into their journey across the sea, or across the lake or whatever it was, the Sea Galilee or whatever it was, or Capernaum, I believe. He, was, I mean, he could see them. The Bible says that a storm came upon them and they struggled. That they struggled to row. Like these experienced fishermen were actually going through the process of getting over to the other side. Right? And the Bible says that Jesus prayed. And after he prayed, he decided to walk on water. No big deal. I love the way Mark doesn't make it a big deal. He's just kind of kind of going. And the Bible says that in the fourth hour, which is the, the midnight hour, in that hour, they were struggling. They were kind of going through the process of getting over the other side. And the Bible says that Jesus was walking by. Jesus wasn't walking to them. The Bible says in the book of Mark that he was walking by them. Like completely like, hey, what's up, guys? I'll see you on the other side. Right? The Bible says that he was, I mean, it's just a small little scripture that says Jesus was walking by them. He had no plan on stopping and getting on the boat with them. Because the objective was you 12, get on this boat and go, I'll meet you. On the other side. But it's because Jesus was going through his own process. And his journey was not their journey. He had his own journey that he had to walk. But the one thing I love about Jesus, the Bible says that as he was walking by, they got scared because they thought it was a ghost. And Jesus said, oh, I can't let them live on rumors or I can't let them believe in something that's not true. I can't believe in that, so let me go over there. Hey, 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 it's not me. It's not a ghost. It's Jesus. Hey, hey, relax. And it's not what you think it is, right? How many times we believe in the lie of our own, of our own lives, the truth in our own lives? Many times, all we ask people this, how do you know? Well, because I heard. From who? Somebody. Who's somebody? Well, I made it up. Why'd you do that? It's not true. You know what I'm saying? Sometimes we believe our own lies that we say. And we make an assumption of other people. I'm infamous for this. My wife hates it when she does this. Well, the kids are blah, 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 blah. How do you know? She hates it. She goes, she wants me to be on her side. She wants me to back her up. And sometimes I'm like, well, how do you know? Well, I just don't. Well, then you can't say that. Sometimes we make assumptions for people that are not even true. That admana did not say hi to me today. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. She saw me. Oh, my God. Oh, my gosh, she even said hi. She said hi to everybody else, but not me. And the truth is, maybe she didn't see you. But we get so offended. Believing in our own lies. Believing we're going to be poor forever. Believing we're going to be having shortcomings forever. Believing that we will never get over this. Why do we do that? But you know why? Because misery loves company. And sometimes you're not looking for the truth. Sometimes you're looking for people to agree with you. 
Oh, man. That's not even my notes, people. I'm just saying. Sometimes we like to be in the company of other people that are struggling just like us. Sometimes we like to visit other people that gossip because it makes us feel better. Because instead of dealing with our own stuff, we'll talk about everybody else. But that's not your journey. God has you on this journey. And when you start to do that and doubt and surround yourself with people, not with the truth, but with other people that agree with you, you'd be put in this holding pattern. And God's saying, I'm waiting on y'all. I'm waiting on you to get your stuff right so we can go somewhere. Right? And so when, G- when the disciples are struggling in the boat, they say, oh, my God, let's go. And they say, hey, 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 hey. And then what did Peter do? He said, if it is you, command me to go. He said, come on then. And the Bible says that he walked on water. Isn't that awesome? That was never the plan. The plan was always for them to be met on the other other side. So he says, I'm here, and he walks out. That was never the plan. The plan was to always be. Can I tell you, sometimes the process is what hurts. You could be be experienced. You could could go 32 years with Jesus, and I'm still going through a process. Can I tell you, uh, let me just get the scripture in you now. In and, and, and 2 Kings chapter 4, we talk about, I won't read it, but you can read it up there. In 2 Kings chapter 4, we find a woman who is, who's basically her husband had died, and she had inherited his debt. And, and she didn't have means to pay for it, so the collector was going to come, and for payment of the debt that of her husband, she was going to take her two sons as the payment. She, they were going to be sold into slavery. And so she went to the, the prophet and said, hey, hey, you know your boy, your brother, you know your homie that I used to rock with and all that? He died, left me dead. Now i got to pay for it. And the tax collector is coming for it. And my boys are about, I'm, a, I'm about to lose everything. My inheritance, my future, I'm about to lose it all. And so Elisha was like, well, what do you want me to do? And she's like, and then Elisha was like, and of course it says, what do you want me to do? And then, then he says, what do you have in your house? I believe with all my heart, I believe the reason what I was left out was, what do you want me to do? The woman told her, make this right. And he goes, what do you have in your, what do you have? Does that make sense? It wasn't a dialogue, it was a summary, right? And so he said, what do you have in your house? And she said, I got nothing. I sold everything. I, I, I'm short. I got nothing but this little tiny insignificant little jar of oil. The Bible says that he says, go to your neighbors, get, the, get a bunch of jars, ask everybody. I don't care who you got to ask, but ask everybody. The neighbors that you love, the neighbors that you hate, the neighbors that don't rock with you, the neighbors that are cool with you, and the neighbors that are not cool with you. I don't care if it's small, big, wide, tall, whatever. Get them all. And then you will fill those jars with oil, and then you will sell off and pay off your debt, and you will have so much more left that you will live off the rest. Okay? That's what he said. He said, I have the answer. That's the answer. She thought it was insignificant. The prophet said, that's the answer. Sometimes the most insignificant things in your life is the answer or the thing that God is going to use to make it right. The most insignificant thing that that you think you have, the ability that you have, God's going to use that to to bless you and to give you more than uh, more than amount, more than enough. Thank you, more than enough. He's going to be doing that. And sometimes He said, "You got to do the work." A while ago, me and my wife were having breakfast. And we're talking a couple months ago, a couple years ago. I don't remember. We're just having breakfast. And I had just read the scripture that God will take care of the birds of the air, right? He says he won't let a bird fall, right? And, and we were sitting there, and there was birds all over the place. And I'm like, isn't that funny how every single bird, because we're just eating outside, and I was flicking, like, food at them just for fun. I don't know. I like to see them fight. Anyways, um, uh, uh, they were flicking, and, but they were fighting for the food. But they weren't fighting just for themselves. They were fighting for the food so they can go back to the nest and feed the baby birds. Right? Isn't that funny that God said that he will take care of the birds of the air, that they will not fall. 
that they will not starve. But those birds are not kicking it at the nest, waiting for God to bless them. They're out there hustling, fighting other birds, getting the food that they need so they can not only for themselves, but for their, for their loved ones, for their babies. Isn't that amazing that we think that, God, God, you're just going to bless me. No, God's going to give you the ability to be blessed. I'm reminded of the man who, 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 who said that God was going to save him when the storm was coming. And the storm came and a truck came by and the, 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 the person said, get in the, get in the, the truck because the storm's coming. And he said, no, it's okay. God's going to provide. And the rain came and the wind came and the water raised and he got on top of his roof and he was said, and, and a boat came by and said, hey, get in the boat. The storm's coming. You're going to die. And he goes, no, no, no. God's going to provide. The water kept coming. It raised above the roof. He was standing on a tree, sitting on a tree, holding on a tree for a dear life. A helicopter came by and said, get in the helicopter. The storm's coming. You're going to die. He said, no, it's okay. God's going to provide. The brother dies, goes to heaven and says, God, why didn't you save me from the storm? And God said, I tried three times with the truck, the boat, and the helicopter, and you wouldn't save yourself. Because the picture that he had in his head on how God was going to provide didn't come to fruition. And because it didn't come to fruition, he said, no, that's not of God. Sometimes we didn't get our own way. Sometimes that blessing is going to come in avenues and situations that you never know. I thought all my life I was going to be in ministry. God said, yeah, you are because I got to teach you something there where, where I'm going to eventually send you. But when the time came for me to actually move, I said, no, no, I ain't going. I like where I am. I'm good where I am. I do this awesome. And God said, cool, move. Man, even my wife said, baby, it's time to move. And I was like, no. I got religious on her and said, I'm faithful, loyal to the cause. Loyal, baby, we got to move. No, this is what God wants. No, this is what I wanted. I wanted it. And just so you know, God launched me to be a probation officer. So I am now a Sac County probation officer. Okay, cool. That's awesome. Never wanted to do it. Never. Chasing criminals. What? I'm almost 50. God said, I need you to be here because I need you to do something. So, so I didn't want to do it, right? Because I'm like, uh, criminal. So God threw me into probation. I was one of the oldest dudes there when I started. Seriously, I was. I mean, we had the 20-somethings. I, had, I worked with kids the same age as my children, right? My staff, not the kids, not the actual inmates, staff. Some of them are, my kids are older than them, some of them. And I'm sitting there like, where does God have me, right? And so I got to tell you the truth, though. When you get locked in for that ride that God has you on, you're just like, okay, God, here we go. Not knowing what God was going to do. It's awesome. It's awesome. Let me get into this. Now, see, I was going somewhere, and I'll get back to that here in a second. The Bible says that she asked all the, all the people for jars. And then her and her sons, Went into the house, closed the door, and the Bible says that they began to pour out the oil, this little tiny flask, into every single jar that they had collected. Okay? And, it, and the Bible says that when the last one was filled, she said, is there any more? And the son said, no, that was it. 
And then the Bible says, then the oil stopped. Right? If she had five more, there would have been five more jars. If she would have had five less, she would have had five jars less. The Bible says that as soon as that last one was filled, it was stopped. Can I tell you? There is something to be said about the works of God if we believe him. Okay? There's something to be said. There's something to be said by his word. Can I tell you? There's something to be said about his word. If he says something, we either have to believe it or we don't. Make sense? If my wife tells me she's going to be home at 7, because I know my wife to never lie, I know that at about 7 o'clock she's going to be home. And if I've made the house a mess, I'm going to clean the house. Because the last thing I want her to do is come in and start yelling at everybody. Why is the house a mess? So I actually prepare for her arrival. Because I believe she's going to get there at 7. If God says, I'm going to bless your home, I'm going to give you finances, I'm going to give you open doors, I'm going to give you a job, a career, then we need to prepare for that job or career. We have to prepare now because today is too late. Today, we've already, it's already almost 12. Like today is here. We got to prepare for tomorrow. And I believe many times we are put in this holding pattern because God wants to bless you, but he wants to see how much work you're going to put in. How many jars are you bringing to the house? How many, how big is your faith? Are you going to have enough faith to pay off all your bills? Are you going to come short because you don't want to put in the work? Can I tell you, I don't know why who this is for, but let me just say this. I, well, I've walked with Jesus for 32 years. You know what the hardest thing to ever pay? My tithe. I am keeping it one hundo with you. It is hard to see my bills and to think, ooh, that's the exact amount I need to cover that bill. 32 years and I still at times like, man, I could take that money and pay that. Oh, and I won't be short. What do I do? I, I, I feel it. Dude, I under, not dude, you know what I mean. I understand you, but out of obedience, okay? Not because I feel it, not because it's a good time for me, because I choose through obedience to believe that God's going to bless me, I write that check, or actually we do it online, but I put online and I send it. And then I kind of go, okay, Jesus, here we go. We're going to work. Okay, here we go. Oh, Pastor Jax asked me to preach. Okay, cool. Okay, got you, got you. Okay, oh, you want to do this? I, 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 I'll do an OT shift. I got you, God. I got you, I got you. I got to put in the work because I believe God's going to make a way for that bill to be paid, but I got to put in the work, right? I got to put in the work. I can't just sit there and say, God, you're going to provide. If God makes an avenue for you, go through it. It may not be the job you want, but take it anyway. Because maybe that's a stepping stone to what God has you for. It's beneath me. It's beneath me. I can't do that. Well, maybe God sent you off for something. Yeah, I've never done that before. Well, maybe God wants to teach you something there so you can use over there. Can it be maybe? I know this, that if God would have gave me the job in probation, because I get jealous. Can I tell you? Okay. We could, a lot of my supervisors and partners are, are retiring at 49, 50 years old. I'm 49. 
That means if I would have got my job back in my 20s, I'd be retiring right now. I got to go another 13. 14. I got to go another 14. Well, then those jokers are retiring. I still got to work. But I know this. I know if I would have got my job at 20 years old, I wouldn't be the officer that I am today. Right? I wouldn't. I wouldn't. I wouldn't be able to know how to talk to a kid to get him on the right path so he can stop doing the cochinadas that he's doing. The mess that he's creating in his own life because I know where he's going. And because of my life experience and because I'm a little older, for whatever reason, God's grace, mercy, God's blessing on my life, they listen to me. I go from being the big bad cop to like, hey, that's my boy. It's amazing because I don't treat them as they are. I don't treat them like what they did. Some of the things are horrifying and some of the things that they've done is horrifying, but I don't treat them as they were. I treat them what God would want me to treat them like. I treat them as if what they could be. Because if I could treat them as what they could be, if I could change one from their sin, I have covered a multitude of sin. Just one. Just one. So yeah, I would not be the same person I am today if I would have got that job when I was in my 20s. But the retirement would have been cool, though. But God has me where he has me because this is my journey. And I can't compare myself to other journeys. This is my journey. This is the world that God has me on. <coughs> Somebody asked me a while ago, do you ever regret being in ministry for all that time? Well, depends on the day. <laughs> it really does. It really does. Because I've had some great time in ministry. I've seen some great things happen. In fact, there are kids out there in ministry today because they came to one of our events. You guys are in ministry right now because you came into one of events. I, I, I can't complain with that. Because what, what, what has happened here on earth will echo in heaven one day. And, and, and so I can't complain. So I don't, it's my journey though. It's my journey. I, yeah, I'm 49 years old. I'm one of the oldest dudes on the street still carrying a gun and knocking on people's doors. But God has me where he has me. He has me where he has me. And can I tell you, I haven't had to draw my weapon on anybody. Because I believe that's God's grace on my life. I, I, that's awesome. We've been able to talk people down. We've been able to talk people out of, out of their rooms. We've been able to talk people off suicide. Like, like God has been doing some crazy things. And, and to my partners, that's just a regular day. But to me, I believe that's God's blessing. God has me on this journey. Okay, I'm, I'm done with this. And I, I, I'm being recorded. Yeah, okay, yeah, I yeah, am. Okay, well, I can't do that one. Okay. Forgot about that. But God has me on this journey. And, and I believe with all my heart that God has you on a journey. And you can't compare yourself to other people. Because can I tell you one of the greatest, the, the greatest, not sins, but the greatest things you could ever, the most horrible thing you could ever do for yourself is compare your life and your journey to somebody else. When you see them getting blessed and you're still waiting. When you see them getting new things and you're still driving your old car. I have a car that's even has tags expired because I need a mechanic and my AC doesn't work and it's been 110 outside. Right? But I'm driving the car while my boy's in a Tesla. I'm like, but that's his journey. I got to stay on my journey. I got to stay faithful to what God has me. Because God's going to bless me. 
because this is my life. So don't be, don't be that person that you start to compare yourselves to other lives because that's not your walk. I'm done with this. In 2022, at the end of 2022, I, I did what a lot of people did. I, I, I came up with New Year's resolutions, okay? And I wrote down everything I wanted to do in 2023, okay? Never did I know when I wrote, God, teach me to have more faith, that God would put me right in the grinder, right from the get. My son, who was 12 years old at the time, got pneumonia and then got a severe lung infection in his left lung that his, there was fluid covered in his left lung. We spent 13 days in the hospital, 10 of those days with a chest tube inside of him. When the doctors was breaking down to us what was going to happen, I'm thinking in three days we're going home. He says, in two weeks from now, we'll see where we're at. And I looked at him and I said, well, two weeks, that's 14 days. What are you talking about? I mean, if you do the math, that's not three. Hmm. I said, wait, how long? He says, in two weeks, we'll see where we're at. And I'm like, wait, 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 what? I go, we're supposed to go on our 25th anniversary to Cancun. Uh, we're going to Cancun. We're going to Cancun. We're supposed to go to Disneyland, you know, for Christmas. You know, we had plans, right? We had plans for the new year. We spent it in the hospital with that little guy right there. But the whole time I was there, I felt God saying, you want it, you want it to work, right? Want to work this out, right? I had this overwhelming peace when I know I shouldn't have had. Because I knew God was in the midst of it. And then, right when, my, I didn't know this until a few days later, but when my son was admitted into the hospital, my mother was admitted to the hospital. So she had cancer back in the day. It kind of went through a little bit of remission. It wasn't bothering her, and all of a sudden, she's back in the hospital. Two, two days after we get out of the hospital with little man, we go see my mom because they discharged her to take her home. I didn't know this, but they discharged her because they said, you're towards the end. We get there. We, me and my wife, we speak for about two or three hours to my mom, and I'm just sitting there. And I said, Mom, we're going to bring the kids back in three days. She said, okay. And so she talked. We had great conversation. I'll never forget the moment that I was praying for my mom and, and, and she kind of just fell asleep because they gave her a little bit, you know, she was getting agitated and they gave her a little bit of medicine and she fell asleep. And I was reminded of when my grandmother died and how I hated God because I believed that in the healing name of Jesus that he was supposed to heal my grandma, not knowing that the plan was for my grandma to go to heaven, right? And so I, never, I, I, was, I, I just had all those memories come back and I remember praying for my mom and at the very end I said, mom, I said God, if you take my mom, I won't be mad. Gave her a kiss on the, on the cheek. Left. Two days later, brought my kids. She was in hospice care at this point. I didn't know this about hospice. I learned a lot about hospice during my mom. But for her to actually have a conversation with each one of my kids for two hours was a miracle of God. Because when you go into hospice, you're not talking. You're not walking. You're not breathing. You're just you're getting ready to go to heaven, right? And so I didn't know that. But to even know that through that God's grace and mercy on my life for my kids to finally say their goodbyes was something that I will never forget for the rest of my life. And then the moment, and then God even blessed us again because we went back the very next day, me and my wife, and we got to see my mom take her last breath. And I'll never forget the moment that I said, she took her last breath, she's gone. I had this overwhelming peace 
in my heart and in my mind and in my soul. I felt that the angels of heaven came and grabbed her and physically took her, escorted her into heaven. It was the most peaceful thing I had ever experienced in my whole entire life. It was something that I did not experience it with my grandmother, but I experienced it with my mom. And I walked out of that place thinking God is good, God is great, and he is merciful and loving. Because my mom's last breath here in heaven was her first breath in eternity. And she has no more pain. And she's walking. And she's, I mean, she's worshiping God. And can I tell you something? Can I tell you something? This is how, this is how I believe the, the timeline in heaven goes. Are you ready? I'm not planning to die for another 50 years. So just give you a heads up. I'll be here until about 100. I believe this, that my mom is worshiping heaven. 50 years is going to go by. She's going to turn around and say, oh, my God, you're here already. Because a timeline, there is no timeline in heaven. She'll be raising her hands, turning around and saying, hey, you're here. And not knowing that 50 years has passed because that's how I believe. So my mom looked at us and said, this is not goodbye. It is I'll see you later. And tell you what, it is I'll see you later. Way later here on earth, but it will be seconds in heaven. Does that make sense? I believe that with all my heart. Either we believe it or we don't. Either you trust your journey or you be put in a holding pattern. Either you put in the work and see what God does or you just sit there in this holding pattern waiting for God to do something great. I love you all. You guys are awesome. Stand with me this morning. Oh, man, I did good. Woo. We got one more service. I'm, I'm, thank God I have another shirt. Thank God. Okay. That, you notice when that light turned on, I got sweaty? You notice that? You notice that? Huh. Just kidding. Close your eyes with me. Father, in the name of Jesus, God, I thank you for this church. I thank you for the sweet presence in this place today. God, I thank you for who you are what you are doing. God, I pray for everyone's journey in this place, whatever it may be, wherever they may be going. God, I pray that they first would have strength, courage, wisdom, faith, knowing that you are in control of all things, knowing, God, that their journey is their journey. Lord, I pray for those that are struggling with doubt, for those that are just struggling just with faith in itself. God, for those that are struggling with the word, God, I pray right now that you would fill their hearts, that you would bless them. God, that you would be with them, Lord. God, I pray right now in the name of Jesus, anybody struggling with their faith, for their health, God, their mentality, their soul, right now in the name of Jesus, pierce their hearts, God, pierce their souls right now. May you saturate them from the top of their head down to the soles of their feet. God, that, we, that you would give us the courage to put in the work, that you would give us the courage, God, the, 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 the security, God, the knowing that you are in the midst of us. God, I pray right now for strength to do the work, God. I pray right now for wisdom to do the work, God. Right now in Jesus' mighty name, bless each and every person here, every household. In Jesus' mighty name I pray, amen and amen. Listen, I did this the first service. I'm going to do this, this, this service as well. As the worship team begins to sing, we have a few more minutes before we are dismissed. Go ahead. I'm not making an altar call. I'm making the altar call. I'm saying if you are here this morning, let's worship together up at this altar one last time before we go out into the world. Because regardless if this is the beginning of the week or the end of the week for you, this is the day that the Lord has made. And let's rejoice and be glad in it. Amen. So as the worship team begins to sing, let's get out of your chairs. Let's gather together at the altar and worship one last time.